everybody, it's Sue Bidstrup. Welcome to the Great Big Yes podcast, where I talk to people who have said yes to a greater calling on their lives, people who are living with passion and purpose and making a difference in the world. Today, I'm speaking with Rachel Phillips. She's a friend of mine and a fellow holy yogi. That is how we met, through holy yoga. And she has suffered um, from anxiety and depression and um, is ready to tell her story, is ready to help other people through telling her story. And so that's exactly what we do here. She uh, tells her story. And so first, the first part of the podcast is her just talking. And then the second part of the podcast is the two of us having a conversation where I get to ask her some questions about her experience. It's really amazing that she is willing to be so vulnerable and so real and authentic. And I know that this podcast will help people that are suffering from these things, but also people, it will help people just to understand if they haven't suffered in their own lives, just to give them more understanding. And so um, without further ado, I will turn it over to Rachel. I have had a lifelong struggle with anxiety. It started, I can remember it starting when I was six years old, when I started school. Um, almost from the instant I started school, I had an intense fear of my mom leaving me or dying. So this really irrational fear of abandonment at a young age when um, I would wake up every morning before school and try to make myself sick. And then when my parents would get me ready, help me get ready for school, uh, I would be okay for a little bit. I'd cry and then I'd be okay for a little bit. And then lunchtime would come. I would see her volunteering. She thought that was helpful so I could see her during the day, but it would trigger my anxiety and my intense fear. And I would go to the nurse's office and pretend that I was sick, try to make myself sick. So every day till about second grade, the nurse had a spot for me um, at lunchtime for at least 10 to, you know, 10 minutes, 20 minutes where I would rest. And during that time, we got a lot of testing done because they didn't know if I was making it up, if I was really sick. So we got a lot of testing, went to specialists to get some testing done. There was nothing physically wrong with me. The doctor said, you know, she worries too much. She's going to get an ulcer at age six. So she just has anxiety. So at that point, my parents had a decision to make whether they were going to put a six-year-old on anxiety medicine 31 years ago, which there was not much research on that medicine and the side effects. So my parents opted to not put me on medicine for it, um, which we, which has brought me closer at that time in my life to God, to scripture, to praying, to singing. Um, those are the, and to exercise. Those are the methods that my parents used to try to help me to calm myself, to try and sleep better. But even the sleep was hard because I'd wake up with intense night terrors. Um, so I just had a lot of issues early on. Later on, 
when I was older, I was able to, I guess, my body, when I felt that anxiety, I was able to release it through a lot of exercise, sports, a lot of sports, a lot of um, interaction and distraction with my friends and dancing and fun and um, just, you know, exhausting myself so I wouldn't feel that anxiety. There were moments when I would feel that anxiety. Um, As I got older, it turned from anxiety to depression. And I remember being 16 and having my first thought of, first thoughts of suicide, of maybe everyone would be better off without me. Um, Maybe I can't. I can't take this sadness of growing up, of losing that childhood um, season because it was a grieving involved and I didn't know how to to process that and my body and my body chemistry was over excited all the time so I was exhausted and my brain would be overwhelmed quickly. So we just did the best as we could managing it. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, through the teenage years was challenging enough um, to have anxiety and depression that was never talked about during the 80s and 90s, um, especially in a church. Growing up in a church, it was more about you need to have self-control, you need to trust God, which those things are true at the end, but on the way to the journey to get to those things is a bumpy road and you don't just go straight from A to B. You know, you just go, you have to do A plus B equals C. You don't just go straight to, here's the question, here's the problem, okay, here's the answer. You have to work out that problem. So we didn't know how to work that problem out. We didn't know where to start. So I got married at a young age, at 20, and talk about that anxiety, depression, physical um, challenges that I had, chemical imbalances that I had, intensified times or magnified times a thousand. When you get married at a young age and move 3,000 miles away from everything you've ever known. Um, so I was thrown into this marriage, which I love my husband. I, he's been so patient and he's learned so much. But he was young too, and he didn't know how to help me. I didn't know how to help myself. You know, he would call me crazy lots of times. You're just crazy. You're crazy. And then that, you know, kind of talk. He would say, you're crazy. You're just, you're sinning. You need to go read your Bible. You know, he didn't know. And so that kind of talk would make me angry. It would make me sad at first, but I wasn't okay with sitting with the sadness I, I felt like the sadness was weak and vulnerable, so I'd quickly turn to anger. So I would have eruptions of anger, almost like rage fits, where I would, you know, hit the wall, hit things, throw things. And I had some of those when I was younger, too. My parents would just say, go to your room to, and don't come out till you're, you're calmed down. And I would do that. I would throw things around, hit, you know, hit the pillow. Um, I never hurt myself um but I I would self I would say I would when I got married I started to hurt myself and 
relationships as, as in I would self-sabotage my relationship with my husband because I was afraid that one day I would lose it, that it would fall apart. And I wanted to be in control of how it fell apart. And I would remember having this picture in my mind that these walls were built up around me and they were going to fall down eventually. And I wanted, I didn't want my husband to knock them down. I didn't want anyone to knock them down. I wanted to be in control so I was going to knock them down so I could know where each brick was going to land and hit so I could control the damage, like damage control. So on top of all of my anxiety, depression, my sin, my just being, you know, human, not sleeping well, not eating well, um, over tiring myself, trying to keep up with the Joneses, whether especially in church, trying to be biblical, a biblical wife now is thrown on there. So much pressure that I would put on myself. Um, I would have moments where I really thought I'm going to go crazy. I'm going to lose it. Um, something's wrong with me. I felt very, very like much in turmoil inside my mind and my heart, my body, every, every on the outside and still to this day on the outside, People can look at us and our family and pictures and me and my kids and my husband and say, wow, you guys have it all together. You know, my husband's been on American Ninja Warrior uh, last year, and that was hard. Um, so let me start, let me fast forward to there. We started a season of him following his dreams and pursuing his dream that way. He wanted me to be involved. You know, he's known as the family ninja and I just resisted. I resisted. I had a lot of fear and anxiety towards that. And this last year, started about in February, I think I really tried to push through that and ignore my body, ignore um, how what my body was trying to tell me. So I had learned to um, manage my anxiety by, you know, doing holy yoga, doing yoga. And then I found holy yoga and by trying to, um, you know, just be in the word and scripture. So I feel like this last year, 2016, I tried to manage it my, in 2015, you know, body, not body, mind and soul. I've never, managed all three together. I've never worked on all three. So I've never done, you know, a holistic approach to body, mind, and soul uh, wellness. I've all either done mind, I've done, I did body a lot when I was young, um, or soul. And so this, it seems like each year it's like, okay, let's, God's saying you're, you know, you're a whole person. I care about you wholly and fully. And there's body, mind, and soul of you that I want to heal. And I want to strengthen each of those parts together so you work as a whole. So this year, this last year, the last three years, I've been working on my mind and my soul a lot. And sort of neglecting my body, not realizing it until October of 2016. So October of 2016, I had a massive panic attack. Um, it was like a anxiety plus panic plus depression plus, um, you know, just a lot of health issues going on that we didn't know. 
So I just thought, oh, this is it. I'm not going to be able to recover from this. It feels so dark, so deep. Um, I couldn't leave my room for two weeks. I was afraid of everything. I was afraid of of even feeling happiness, feeling joy. I was afraid of that because I know this can't last. I was thinking this can't last. It's going to be taken from me. So much sadness in the world, so much terror in the world, so much sorrow, um, and afraid of my children. I mean, it was like the most what if, like the the worst case scenario in every thought. And it was like fear was attacking me. It's like I cut myself and the water and sharks, Satan's like, I, he sensed that blood. He could, he could taste that blood and sharks were circling me. And those sharks were fear, you know, ready to attack fear, panic, anxiety, depression. So I was very afraid of that. So come two weeks, you know, two weeks of that, no sleeping, I was praying and asking God to please give me relief, give me rest, give me peace. Um, my mom had to fly in to help because I was nauseous, throwing up, you know, shaking. It was all, almost like I was going through withdrawals of um, like a drug addict, which I was going through withdrawals of caffeine because I had started taking a supplement that was very high in natural stimulants and caffeine in February to keep up with my husband's competition schedule, travel schedule. Try to I was trying to keep up with all of the expectations that I thought, you know, I need to I, I need to look like this, or my family needs to look like this. My kids need to be involved in these sports or that activity, or I need to, you know, make sure everybody's happy around me. So all of a sudden, God halts that and just says, no, I'm going to stop this, you know, rat race that you're in, whether if, even if it's just with yourself in your own mind, I'm going to bring it to a halt and I'm going to show you that I love you even when you can't get out of bed, show you that I love you when you can't, when you don't have the energy to even do the daily things that you're supposed to do. It doesn't matter. I love you. You're enough. I made you. I'm going to care for you. And I'm not leaving. I'm actually going to draw closer to you. So for those two weeks to a month, I really focused on my soul, like just specifically my soul. Because I couldn't really eat. I couldn't exercise. Um, I lost 12 pounds you know, in 11 days, I had to go to the hospital, to the ER to get something to help me sleep. Um, for the first time ever, I decided, okay, I will go on an anti-anxiety medicine and a sleep aid to get me through the season because we also knew this isn't, there's something else going on. There's something physically going on and we wanted to explore that. Um, so we started setting up appointments with hormone doctor the hormone specialist did a bunch of tests um, and it referred me to a Lyme's specialist, which I was shocked because I thought, I don't have Lyme's, that's weird. But, you know, Lyme's um, mold, different infections, different viruses and bacteria that my body hasn't been able to uh, detox from. 
that have built up over the years. So there's a lot of genetic makeup that comes in play too. So it's not just sleep well, eat well, exercise, be kind, love God. There's a lot more. And so I I feel like God's saying, listen, I'm going to take you on this journey so you can help not only yourself, but your children and other people out there who are in, in a place where they feel like there's no more hope that this anxiety and depression are just going to rule forever and this f- fear. And so now there is a spark of hope from these doctors, not because I feel like the doctors are going to save me or, you know, I know God will is good and I know whatever God has planned for me will be for our good. But I felt like, okay, there's something else going on here. There's not just, I am not just crazy. Um, There's physical imbalances, chemical imbalances, genetic things going on that we're going to get tested out. There's viruses and bacteria that are high in my body that uh, affect psychological things. Um, There's been very chronically fatigued, so that's why I was taking those supplements to try to push through that. But that had an adverse reaction in my body where it burned, you know, me out. And then when I got off of them, I was having withdrawals at the same time as the panic attack. And um, just, it was like a perfect storm. So I feel like God is using this storm, this perfect storm to say, look, this fear and this anxiety and this depression, I'm giving it to you right now as a gift. And I'm going to help you, you know, pull away those things just like that purifying with things that aren't, that aren't worth, really worth anything in this life, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, the thing that matters the most is that we love our children, we love each other, we love God, we love others, and that sort of got lost in trying to be productive and be successful, and be um, perfect, and, you know, live up to some standard that no one's, that God's not calling me to live up to. He's saying, stop, breathe, go take a walk, go enjoy nature with your kids, go take a bike ride, you know, play a game, watch a movie, you know, make cookies, all those things not so you can post it on Facebook and to make people jealous, but all those things, because that's what really matters. Go serve. Go serve those that are hurting, that are, encourage those that are in a dark place. Because the, dar- the darkness, the depression after the the panic attack lasted about, um, let's see, October, November, probably to early December, maybe the first week of December. So it was a long period for me. Um, and, and I can still feel it. I can still feel like, okay, I need to get my body balanced. I need to get my hormones right, my nutrition right, my sleeping right. There's a lot of things that go into it. But there is still an underlying lying anxiety um, you know, whether it's going to be diagnosed as a disorder or it's just an anxiety, um, st- 
struggle. But so this is the first time that I'm agreed to go see a you know psychiatrist um, to see what's really going on in my mind and not to be ashamed of it. it. I have fought that for so long because I have felt so much shame, so much. There's something wrong with me. I'm broken. I'm flawed. Not just the anxiety, but I have heightened emotions and realizing that is how God made me. God made me that way for a reason. And so to not fight the way God made me, but to actually accept it and say, look, there are times when it, when the fear is irrational and I possibly, very possibly I'll know soon, need, know if I need help chemically with that. And there's Western medicine is a gift from God and I'm not going to fight that anymore. But until that point, till we really know, just really sitting with gratitude and saying, thank you, God, because there are so many other people that struggle this way and feel alone. And that was one of the biggest things. I felt so alone, so um, just sad and alone that there was no hope. Like, how can I do anything in this state of like paralyzed being paralyzed with fear and sadness and just darkness. And I guess what I'm wanting to bring to light to people, especially that have grown up in churches or grown up with this standard that you've placed on yourself of, you know, having to be the life of the party, having to have it all together, having to keep up with everyone is when that anxiety sets in, it's trying to tell you something. It's trying to it's God saying, Hey, slow down. Like this isn't important right now. Or, Hey, you know, I have made you with limits, limitations, and I've put boundaries in pleasant places for you. And you're stepping outside your boundary. This is not your design. And so actually for me to say, okay, God, what is it what is it that you want me to do and not be ashamed? I have strong emotions when it's anger, fear, sadness, um, you know, joy, all those emotions. Just like that movie Inside Out, you know, I swear, like that movie was written just for me. I bawled through it. But it's exactly like that. And I have seen how it's what I've seen as a weakness and a struggle for me where whether it's anxiety disorder, depression, whether it's, you know, people with bipolar, which, you know, I, counselors and doctors have suggested me looking into that or it's borderline personality disorder. I mean, there's so many disorders that I don't really fit a mold. And so it's been a challenge. So what do I have? And now realizing, okay, there, I might actually have a chemical imbalance, but what I have is a gift. What I have that the world has diagnosed, might have diagnosed as a disorder, is actually a gift from God that has helped me to relate, especially to children, to kids, to teenagers. Because when someone looks at me as a 37-year-old woman, they think, wow, she you know, acts really young or she's, you know, I can get in those moments where I act like I'm in middle school 
And, you know, it's like, it's a gift where my kids can relate to me. They come to me, the relationship we have with them, and we laugh about things. It's like, this is not a disorder. This is not anything to be ashamed of. This is something that needs to be um, kept in its place. So not run wild with this fear and anxiety and depression, but it needs to be, um, it needs to know its place, I, whether there's medicine that can help me, whether there's uh, natural, you know, exercise and supplements, all of that. We're going to, we're looking into all of it just to deal with it as a whole person, body, mind, and soul. And to, I think one of the things that's helped is to realize the more I, talk about it, the more hope I feel for myself and the more hope I feel I can bring others to say, hey, you're not crazy. You know what? And even if you are, you know, having really tough mental struggles that you need to be in the hospital or you need to be in a rehab center, it's okay. Pretty much everyone should experience that kind of slowing down pace of life and that gift of really taking care of yourself and realizing what's important. And you're not alone. People are here for you. People understand you. You're not weird. You're not flawed. You're not broken to the point that, that you're not lovable, that you're not going to be able to connect to people because God made us this way. God doesn't make mistakes. So, so I feel like part of what I want to share is that through this anxiety and depression and this panic attack that I had, I feel like I'm learning how to trust really the end answer, trust God. I'm, I'm really learning how to trust God now because I trust that he didn't make me a mistake. He didn't make a mistake when he made me. I trust that he made me this way to bring hope to others, to love others, to shine a light in this area and to bring joy. Um, and you know, God, I need, I need others around me too. When I hit that dark spot, when it's going to come again to know, to know that we're not alone. We have love, we have support, we have God, God is good. And this is just a journey. I, I'm just starting this journey. I mean, I've been on it. I've been on a roller coaster ride my whole life, but I feel like I'm actually starting this journey of saying, okay, God, tell me, I'm going to follow you now with this anxiety. I'm going to follow you through this path of anxiety, depression. I'm going to follow you through this, you know, shame. I'm going to follow you and you're going to bring me out on the other side and, you know, it's, it's going to look different for everybody. And I think just starting the conversation on mental health is a huge thing to take away that stigma and that shame. And it's not just about sinning. It's not just about not having self-control or being, you know, a spoiled brat or, you know, it's not just those things. There are, there are problems. There are issues that God's trying to draw attention, like you need help. I want you to get to a place where you're balanced and you're whole. And I'm going to use this for myself. I'm going to use this, Rachel, this episode, this panic episode, this 
depression episode, this illness episode, whether it's limes, mold, whatever it is, I'm going to use all of it. I'm going to use all of it to bring you to be that light and that love and that strength and that joy that I've made you to be and that you have been, but you're going to come into the fullness of it. And the thing that's going to fall away from that is the shame. There'll be no more shame in that. And when that shame starts to rear its ugly head, you can say, no, I I know what you're trying to do, but no, I'm not, I don't believe you. I'm not going there. And so when that fear and that shame, what Satan tries to use to paralyze us, starts coming in, I will have a strategy in place. We'll know, my husband will know. He know now he's learning how to help me, how to um, almost sense, but uh, realize the patterns coming up so he'll help me. And my children to be more, they are so sensitive and compassionate and empathetic. So when I started this, um, you know, almost like a crash in October, I felt a lot of guilt. Like my kids are, their mom's not capable, as capable as other moms. Um, they're not in all these activities. I can't drive that much. I get a headache really bad. I get anxious um, right now. And But you know what? They have not just... It's, they've grown in areas that are invaluable, that are priceless. So it's not like they've grown in their skills in basketball and gymnastics and karate and soccer because they haven't been able to do that right now. But they've grown it in empathy and compassion and patience and gratitude in love and just appreciation for just the simple things that really matter in life. They've grown in that, and that is priceless to me, and I wouldn't trade all of the, just the dark, hard time that I've been through. I wouldn't trade that, especially, you know, to have some kind of successful life or some kind of meaning that I would define as meaningful because what my kids are learning are priceless and what my husband and I are learning is priceless and it's just strengthening our family strengthening our faith and um I'm excited you know I still have that fear in there like oh gosh life just afraid of life but I'm excited to start this journey on fighting this fear and anxiety and this depression and really find out what God has for me and why he's made me this way So thank you for listening. Okay, welcome everybody. I'm so excited that now we actually get a chance to speak to Rachel Phillips. And Rachel, I just want to thank you for sharing your story with us. That was beautiful and um, just very inspirational. And I want to thank you just for being vulnerable and being willing to share what you went through. And I know that it's going to help a lot of people. So welcome to the podcast. How are you? Thank you, Sue. I'm so glad to be talking to you um, and have the opportunity to answer some questions. Yeah, I just love that you share your story. And have you shared your story before? I have um, one-on-one with lots of, you know, family and friends, even strangers when I can tell that they're struggling. So I'm comfortable in a one-on-one setting, but this is a first time, you know, that this is bigger and the potential to uh, it's going to reach more people. Um, so I'm 
the anxiety that comes with that. It's a good thing though, because I'm coming, I'm stepping out. Usually anxiety want, I want to hide and like tuck myself away. And so this is really a step forward in what God has for me. Like what your podcast says, the great big yes. Like I'm saying yes and walking towards God through my anxiety and saying, okay, I trust you. What do you have for me? Even though I'm shaking a little bit. Oh my gosh, girl. I love that. Thank you for being brave and being bold. And yes, that's exactly um, what we're talking about with the great big yes. And a lot of times, you know, it's interesting because I've interviewed people who have like started ministries and written books and all of these things. And that's fantastic. But a lot of times our great big yes is quiet and humble and behind closed doors and has to do with our own, our health and our marriage and our families. And it's not always, you know, you don't always have the opportunity to share the story um, out loud. And so I love that you said you're sharing it with people when you meet them and you can tell that they're struggling. And that is such a gift for them to know that Mm. they're not alone. Wouldn't you agree? Like knowing you're not alone is half the battle. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. That's, uh, I think that's the main thing is feeling the fear and anxiety. And then it's funny because you want people to come around you and support you and, you know, and love on you and make you feel accepted. But it's weird how it sort of, you don't feel that because you feel alone because you feel like if they really know you or what you're thinking, that they won't love you. And that's where the, the shame comes in. Oh, my goodness. I'm so, I, I, that is sad, but so good that you mentioned it because it's true. And I think it's a lot of the way that people feel. So let's talk about shame. Um, tell me what you mean when you say that you felt shame. So there's part of it. Like you didn't want to, you felt like if you told people the truth, they wouldn't want to be around you. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you mentioned, there- yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. You go first. No, actually, there were certain times where I almost felt like things that I had done or even thought or even a dream that I had that I would wake up and be like, I'm damaged goods. I'm dirty. I'm, you know, it was just all those lies and shame. That's what it was. Like, don't, it made me pull away from my closest friends and family mm-hmm. because I, I felt like I can transfer this, you know, whether it's these irrational in my mind at time, because they can be, they are rational. It happens in the world, but the way I was reacting, you know, this really intense fear, I was going to transfer that somehow to somebody. So I would don't want to be around my younger, wouldn't want to be around my younger sister. Cause I didn't want to like, you know, infect her almost. Wow. So I would, yeah, it was really strange how the shame was like, you know, hide. And also if you, even talk to somebody else and share what you're struggling with, then you're going to pass it on to them. So don't share it. Okay. So how did you break that? How did you come out of that feeling to being at this point where you're sharing your story on the internet, <laughs> being posted all over the internet? <laughs> yes. Um, there's a scripture verse and I think it's in, I think it's in James, um, but it's about, you know, confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. Yeah. And it's not necessarily, and I don't want to say necessarily that anxiety is a sin or anything. It's just one of those weaknesses. And so I even took it like, if I just even say 
I struggle with this. I need help. Uh, can, you know, just acknowledge a weakness that God will heal me, that yeah. God draws near to the brokenhearted, um, that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. And God doesn't make mistakes. So how, for me to actually open my mouth and speak, it's my, you know, the Holy Spirit lives in me. And so the Holy Spirit can minister to myself, to me, through myself also. And so it was just one of those things that I was at such a dark spot slot in October of 2016 that I just was like, I need to talk about this. I need to get this out. Um, physically, I was vomiting, mm. you know, a yeah. lot because of the physical things going on. But I also felt like I was vomiting up fear and I was getting rid of anxiety, getting rid of um, lies that I was believing. Yes. And so then the next step was like, talk about it. So my mom flew into town and it's so, Sue is so (laughs) strange. But when she was 37, I'm 37. When she was 37, she went through something very similar. She lost her, you know, dad, her, um, her father that year, she had a baby and she moved. So three main stressors, right. all in the, you know, and she went through a major depression. And I remember when she was visiting, I said, mom, I remember you going through this. What, like, give me hope, you know, like help me. And I don't think she had processed it a lot. I think she sort of just forgot about it. And, um, but the more she was there visiting, the more she would talk and say, I remember this. I remember feeling this way. I, and I think I was really searching. I looking into her, her eyes, like, help me feel that I'm not the only one going through this. Yes. You know, help me, help, give me hope because I see that you made it. I need hope that I'm going to come out of this. And um, the more I talked to her, the more she started remembering what it was like to go through. And then she would say, Oh yeah, I remember when I did this. And even those memories from her were so helpful because it wasn't like she was saying, giving me this formula on how to get out of it, but it was just her relating with me saying, you know, Mija, cause you, you know, we're, we're Mexican and she's like, Mija, God's going to get you through this. Yeah. You, I, he's going to get you through this. And I looked at her and I say, I know because he's got, he got you through it. Right. You know? And, um, yeah, you see her on the other side of it, which is really nice, but that's really interesting about your mom because don't you feel like maybe, um, her at her time that she was going through that, it was different. Like we talk more openly now. It's not always really open, but we talk more openly about anxiety and depression and different things nowadays than they used to. So do you think it Uh was more like she didn't process it because nobody, definitely nobody mentioned it then? Was it some of that? Uh, Yes, absolutely. So I think even me being six, when I was 16 and I witnessed different times with her, I, I've apologized to her now, but I remember going into her room when she was going through a depression and she would be laying there crying and I'd say, mom, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Just get up and mm. like, mm-hmm. go call your friends, do something. Just stop feeling sorry for yourself. And oh my gosh, Sue, I'm like, I'm so sorry I ever said that to you at a 16 year old, you know, yeah. that hadn't gone through it yet. <clears throat> um, and, and 
yeah, she would get that from her own family that she daughters. My dad never, my dad was very patient with her, but she would get that from other people too. Like, you know, suck it up, just get up, pull yourself up. Like, yes. come on, stop. And, um, <clears throat> so then that added a lot of shame that I, that I saw. And while I've been going through this journey, this last few years, you know, I've come across different things. Um, like I talked to my, in the little talk, it was like, okay, whether I have borderline or bipolar, you know, different, trying to figure out different things. It's like, there's this one thing called HSP, highly sensitive people, Mm. highly sensitive person. And I was reading and researching that. And I remember being excited and calling my mom and a sort of shame lifted off of any kind of disorder label, because I'm like, I'm not this, I don't have a disorder. I'm just highly sensitive. And that's how God made me. And, and I called my mom and I said, mom, you're a highly sensitive person, you know, and just, just with an excitement, like, there's nothing wrong with you. There's nothing wrong with me. There's, you know, just this, when the shame lifted, it was like, I could talk about it and be like, yes, I have anxiety or I have depression. I, 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 that's what I struggle with, but that's not who I am. Right. And, um, I think that's where shame comes in when you start to believe that's who you are. Like almost, I remember, um, Brene Brown describing like shame versus guilt. Like sometimes you have guilt about doing something, but so I did something bad, but shame is I am bad. Yes. So it was like, you were saying I am bad, not just like, Oh, I'm broken like everybody else, but like I'm beyond repair. I'm bad. Yes. Like, uh, like that picture of like, I'm infected with something like I, like I'm, I'm flawed, I'm infected and then hiding it because I don't want to pass it on. Or even I don't want someone to see that I at my core am bad. And then they'll leave, they'll, they'll leave me, they'll reject me. So, you know, shame has that. It wants you to hide, but then it also tells you very strong lies while you're hiding to make you feel even more alone and more isolated, which, um, you know, when we're isolated from each other, from the our communities, that's when Satan and lies and, yes. and depression can come in and pick us off easier, like when a pack of, you know, antelope or zebra or anything is running in the wild, and that's how lions or water buffalo lions are trying to get them but they can't because they they they'll the together the water buffalo will overpower them they have no chance but once they isolate that one animal by itself that's when they attack it altogether and so that's what shame was doing it was it was just isolating me and I felt that okay they're like lions or sharks are circling because I feel disconnected and isolated yeah. And that's so, that's such a scary place to be. Do you think that your mom recognized, cause when you were telling your story, you were talking about even as a child feeling anxiety and, you know, going to the nurse's office and going to the doctor early and him offering medication and all of that. Do you think your mom mm-hmm. saw the connection like between her and you? And do you know what I mean? Like, was she aware or again, it was a different time. So I'm just yeah. curious about how she kind of handled that or don't, you know, you know, I do not, I, she was not aware because there wasn't that self-awareness then 
of how do you, you know, for her growing up and like even when I was a kid, she wouldn't necessarily recall how she felt as a kid because she never processed those deep feelings as a child. So now being an adult and my, you know, path and journey to try to get well wholly, which means I do need to know some family history here of genetic stuff. And I just got some genetic testing, which will explain a lot Mm -hmm. um, that it wasn't moved forward, but she has started meeting with great aunts and people that are still alive and really being curious about our family history. And there is that in our um, family, there is history of mental illness, not just like one or two, but I mean like generation. Okay. Like, you know, and so now when we talk in retrospect, you know, it's like, this makes more sense. Oh my gosh. If we would have known that, or if she was able to recall those memories and think through that, or even told about, hey, you know, your relative, he's not just an alcoholic, he has a mental weakness or yes. mental disorder. You know, let's, let, let us let's pay attention to that in our family. And it's not a, you know, like a curse or it's not, it's like something we need to get a handle of and talk to doctors about and see what we need to do about this so the shame would be lifted. Yes, it's kind of a relief. I remember when my daughter struggled so much in school and then when she found out she had dyslexia, it was a relief because the whole time she was thinking, what's wrong with me, right? And so when you kind of have a name for it, there's an empowerment to it. Like, yeah, that doesn't define you. That's not exactly who you are and that's not all of you, but it helps you because then you can seek help where you need it um, for the thing that you need it for, you know, not for just the symptoms that are happening, but for the underlying cause for what's what's really going on. Um, Yeah. I love that we're in this day and age where we're willing to talk about this and willing to explore it. And doctors are open to talk about it. And um, it's, it's so good. I do want to touch on um, you mentioned in your story, when you were talking about the shame, you know, you mentioned that your husband didn't know how to deal with what you were going through um, in your early marriage. And one of the things that you also mentioned is church and without like totally bashing church, but I I do want to, I do want to touch on this because I think that for me, when church tells you you're bad, that adds another layer of shame. (laughs) So absolutely. Right. So like, mm-hmm. can you just kind of what, how did church play into this? Cause it sounded like maybe that was a place where you felt like you needed to perform. Yes. It, you know, it, it was so, it's, I still think about it a lot. Cause there was the way that God made me and my personality didn't really fit in with the traditional conservative church that we were going to. But it did fit in with my school, so I had strong leadership skills, you know, and I had strong, um, with, that was the, one of the main things, I had strong leadership skills, I had strong physical skills, so in sports, I would be, you know, successful, and then I go to church, and it's like, girls don't lead here, and girls are supposed to be quiet, and, you know, homemaking, you do yeah. excel in homemaking things, Um, and whether people didn't come straight out and say that, but the way that interpreted and even looked like, these are what the women do come over here to this and let's learn how to be good, um, domestic engineers. 
Yeah. But I'd be like, wait a minute, I want to go help my dad do the yard work, um, you know, help serve in the neighborhood doing yard work and moving things and, you know, landscaping. And so it was just, um, so there was a, a thing that was like, okay, well, something's wrong with me. If yeah. I, if, so I'm, and so I came to conclusions on my own and people asked questions like, you know, do you think that, you know, in the, in, in a way that they didn't know was causing shame or guilt. Yeah. Do you think that that's what God would have you do? Or do you think that's, that, that's what the Bible says? Mm. And at that point in my life, I didn't know enough my convictions and my knowledge of the Bible and even my confidence of the Holy Spirit living in me and Christ living in me wasn't strong enough yet. Yeah. So I think that's where I was easily swayed by book, other people's books, other people's opinions, other people's sermons, other people's, you know, formulas for their family that worked. And I thought, oh, that's gospel. Like, yes. you know, so when my, hus- my husband and I got married, it was like, we need to wake up, read the Bible, pray together so we have a godly marriage. Yeah. We don't, we still don't do that. You yeah. know, and we never did that. And in the beginning, it was We've like... We've never done that. Just so, I mean, Yeah. Yeah. I and, mean, and so I was like, yo, who said that? Where does it say that in the Bible? So when I actually started, I would say to people and even to my own children, you know, pastors and people in the church and leadership, you be respectful, but they're all human beings. We're all human beings. They'll read the... We read the Bible... And we come to a conclusion or conviction, you know, and when it's preached up at the pulpit, you know, they have a lot of, they, they need to be careful up there because there's so many people with different life experiences that interpret it different ways. Yes. That, and yes. that's the challenging part. And so it's like when you're talking about modesty up at the pulpit, you don't know that one of the girls, you're not thinking about the girls in the sitting there in the start listening to the sermon that have been abused sexually. Right. So you're talking about this modesty and you don't know what she's struggling with internally about my body. I have to hide it. And she already has shame because something happened to her. And now you're adding a heaping more. If you dress, don't dress this way, you know, you're going to be asking for trouble or cause your brothers to stumble. So now you're adding more shame on that. Right. And it is so hard. And so I'm not saying, Oh, all pastors are evil or bad. Not, not at all. I, they have a hard job because yes. I think they need to be more self-aware of the audience that they're speaking to. And that there are a lot of, a lot more people in their, um, you know, congregations that have been touched by trauma. Yes. And so, that is the, where shame comes, you know, heaps on when there's trauma and then you hear a, a good sermon, but it, but you interpret it through the lens of trauma Yeah, and it just adds more shame. Well, and I think what's so difficult, I do pray for pastors because I do feel like um, it's so difficult to, you can't, you know, you just got to base it on the word of God and, and, you know, you can't, cater to everybody, but yet you do need to be more aware. And I think there's this balance and there's been lots of talking and writing about this lately, just about the balance of truth and love and offering grace to all people and understanding where people are coming from. And I think the church is going to need to change in that way, but yet not 
you know, God is the same today, yesterday, and tomorrow. <laughs> right. So how do we get to, so church is a flawed human institution, just like you just said, right? All of these uh, yes. pastors are men, they're human beings or uh, women, it depends where you go. Um, but yeah. I do feel like um, what is so beautiful about your story and what is so beautiful about so many people that I've met um, who are really walking with the Lord is you have a you're a Jesus follower. You have a relationship with Jesus, and mm -hmm. you're that's different than religion. And yeah. so many of my people that I love and know that maybe don't aren't kind of embracing God. Many have been hurt by the church, or many have been felt like they're not understood by the church, and they equate the church with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, and I'm always like, just read Jesus, read the Bible, <laughs> listen to what he right, says. He's so right. beautiful. Open your you'll, Bible. You'll <laughs> fall in love with him. Read God's word, you know, get in there. Um, and so when I hear your story and why I wanted to talk about church, and I love how you put it, it's just, it's really important, I think, that we, and it we can't do that as children. And that's what's so harmful sometimes, you know, as children, we don't know. And we just, we respect our elders and we're listening and and then we're feeling like something's wrong with us. And so yeah. um, I'm just really grateful that you brought that up because I think that that will help people um, that maybe they're struggling with that too. And they don't even know that maybe as a child, they were given a message that made them feel shame. Um, but Jesus uh, just loves and um, does right. not, shame is not from him. That is just not, yes. not your inheritance in the Lord at all. Correct. Um, and I just, yeah. and I just, you know, all of this, and I've gone through a lot. There's been trauma, you know, I didn't have, you know, share my whole life story, but there's been trauma, there's been things, there's been sin that, you know, that I've done and participated in. And so now that my kids are growing older, I think part of the, you know, episode that happened in October was almost a PTSD mm -hmm. um, thing because they're getting to the age when stuff happened to me and to my friends and to my family members. Yes. Um, and so I'm sort of, you know, being triggered, highly triggered about, you know, sexual abuse and stuff. And so, but the really amazing thing is that God turned that fear um, into just love. And I talk to them so openly. And so I'm not ashamed of it. And I tell them and they're, they're so sweet. My youngest is seven and she's very sensitive and very observant. And when I was telling them, because we just moved in, um, with my in-laws to help uh, financially and to help my health while I recover through some health things. Mm -hmm. And there's some neighbors that are questionable. And so I had to have the sex talk with them. This is your body. You don't let anyone touch it, you know, and all of them. And they're like, mommy, you always tell us that. Why? You're and I was like, okay, guys, I'm going to tell you something. You know, I said, I'm going to tell you why you think mommy's paranoid, but there were things that happened to me and to people that I love that shouldn't have happened. And, you know, it was really interesting because when I was telling them at their age appropriate level, mm -hmm. I said, it shouldn't have happened, but God's turning it to good. And my youngest said, he is, because if that didn't happen to you, you wouldn't be able to talk to us the way oh. that you're talking to us. Oh. And my seven-year-old said yeah. that. And she said, and, and then we wouldn't feel like we could come talk to you. Right. And I said, exactly. Exactly. Right. So I, I feel like God saying, using this to like, 
take that shame, that culture of shame away yes. for e- away from even how we talk to our children. Yes. Like there's that, no, that there, trans- there's no shame in that. Yeah. And it's like, you didn't know your mom, you didn't know your mom, what your mom was going through and all of that. But like, even just one generation later, we're able to talk to our kids with more authenticity and honesty and transparency and, and really break the cycle of shame. And absolutely that's awesome. That's so good. And so you've kind of touched on this, but how would you, how would you say that God has transformed you through this? I know there's a lot, but like, what is you, not even how you treat your kids or anything like that, but like you in your heart, like, how do you feel about yourself? Like, how, how are you? <laughs> uh, that's a good, I feel like I'm learning. I feel like I feel almost like a little kid again, like I'm learning about how he really made me. And I'm, because the shame is being lifted off of it, I'm excited yes. to learn about how God made me. Yeah. Because when I was in growing up, there was like certain ways. It's much better. I feel like our kids are gonna are growing up in a better time in one sense that they have. It's more open. Like yes. you can, you know. And so, and so when I was growing up, it was like I need to be in sports. I need to get like certain things were, and I was grew up on a border city, Mexican. So there was a big race, you know, difference. Mm-hmm. So, and so it was like. I, I wanted to be in the gifted and talented class. They wanted to put me in that gifted class, but the majority of the kids in that class were white. Mm-hmm. And so, and so there was this sort of stigma, like if you go in that gifted class, you're going to grow up to be a snob and think you're better than everybody. So you need to go stay with the masses over here and be in sports, be a jock. Don't go and don't yeah. go into arts and music and science and those kind of things, which is very interesting because God did make me athletic and I did excel, you know, at a, in a high school level at those kind of things. But the, the older I'm getting and the more I'm learning about myself, I'm like, Oh, you know, that sensitive side of me is very creative and artsy. And yeah, I took voice lessons for the first time last year, started voice lessons. I love and that. It was yeah, it was very therapeutic and it was healing because my voice lesson teacher was like, you're, you're a soprano. I want you to go higher. And it was, Sue, it was so funny how when you hear things and you're little, they stay with you. And I'm like, no, I don't want to really sing that loud because it'll be showing off. And she's like, no, that, you know, you're a soprano. You're not an alto. Right. And I'm like, but there was one thing that someone in my family had said to me that stuck with me my whole life. Like, you're such a show off. And so I kept quiet. So I was like, okay, I need to be, I need to be quieter. I need to not try to stand out. Oh, um, girl, so- I have heard that all my life. Like um, when I was younger, people would say, relax, calm down. Yeah. And I never, so even to this day when people say relax, I get really, I, it just makes the hair on my neck stand up because, um, you know, that's that lie that you're too much. Yes. Yes. And yes. That's and that's, I feel right. like that's what God's doing is mm-hmm. saying, I made you, let me be the judge of what's too much or too little, but walk, don't be afraid to walk your life every day and do what that desire that's in your heart. If it's wrong, if it's sinful, because we focus so much on 
been been thin growing up and a lot of introspection when how I was raised and you know almost like a false humility and the like the so much focus on the sin was selfish and it was like okay you know what I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna go talk to that person over there and if someone thinks that I'm flirting or being too attention seeking or upfront mm-hmm. you know I trust that God or my husband or my children people that know me the most and are closest to me will say something mm-hmm. I'm not good and so I feel like God's just giving me more freedom I love that um that I'm not like oh if I say this if I do that if I dress like this who who am I you know, what does that say about me? What does it say about my family? I, that's exhausting. Right. You know? It's so self-conscious. It's such a self-conscious way to live. It's so, it's not free. It's not freedom. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I agree. There are times when he will convict us and he has convicted me and said, Hey, you're attention seeking right now. You're people pleasing right, right now. You're being a chameleon right now. You're trying to achieve and perform. You're performing. Stop. Right. So right. I, there is that, but that's from him and you learn to hear his voice in that. But the shame about who you are and who you were made to be does not come from him um, at all. And there, so there's freedom when you know the Lord, it, there's freedom to be yourself in a mm-hmm. way that's, um, you cannot get it any other way. You cannot get that freedom from self like all that um, self-criticism and overanalyzing everything you say and do, <laughs> right? Right. Um, right. Yeah. Okay, so you've mentioned athletics a couple times, so I just have to bring up, you mentioned in your talk that your husband is in the American Ninja Warrior. He's on the show. <laughs> yes. Yay! Yes. So I know. Woo! Family Ninja. Woo-hoo. Yeah, so he's called the Family Ninja, and I love, you guys have the cutest... Um, video and I'm going to have to share that. I'll share that on the website when I post this. So if anyone's listening and wants to see it, um, but tell me about that. Like, when is that going to be on? And we'll see you in the audience, right? Cheering him on. Yes. Hopefully if I can, you know, it's going to be in Daytona this year. So it's like 45 minutes from us. So that's not a big stressor on me, but yeah, I should be there. Um, he'll get a phone call in March Okay. Knowing, uh, for, you know, at them ask, telling him if that he's been accepted on the show this year. Yeah. And then that, you know, in April, they'll do the competition and they usually air that showing in June. Okay. Well, I love so that. So last year I mean, was the first week of June. It takes so much discipline and like, I mean, is he just training all the time? <laughs> no, it's, it. you know... Not really. He has, he comes from good genes. Yeah. I think the main thing was once he started eating healthy, because he was not eating healthy, yeah. um, once he changed his diet and got things right, he really only works out like three times a week. Wow. And everyone, and everyone will look at his physique and be like, you must work out two hours a day, <laughs> you know, seven days a week. And, you know, that was another thing that we had to come to you know, God's been working on, like, there was a competition, you know, I'm like, wait a minute, I'm the athletic one, you're the geeky computer guy, and now you're all athletic, and I'm Interesting. like, yeah. you know, and so God was really working on, like, hey, guys, you're gonna be, I made you for each other, you would be a perfect team, you are the perfect team, if yes. you can just, for me, to let go of that pride, and let go of that competition, and just say, hey, 
I'm proud of you. I trust you. I'm, you know, I want to support you. And like, we're on the same team. And so, yeah. no, he, he, he comes from good genes and <laughs> it's mainly his eating and I, he's very, very disciplined. And so now I'm also allowing him to come in and step in, which I wasn't before I would was too controlling with the kids. And I'm like, okay, maybe we should have a calendar and write things down and maybe some discipline would be good and helpful, you know? And I was just, I didn't trust him. I I was afraid that the minute I let him or anyone in that because of the lens of trauma looking through, it's like someone's going to come in and take control. Yeah. So I think God is doing so much. He wasn't going to do a video this year. He wasn't going to compete this year. And I, God just changed my heart and just said, you, you know, let him follow his dreams and don't be afraid, you know, don't yes. be afraid of what, what happens. This is what God's calling him to right now. And I love it. And it's exciting that I'm actually excited. Last year I had w- way too much anxiety about it. And so I'm excited that this year I might be able to enjoy it. I will be able to enjoy it with him instead of being afraid. Yeah. I think it's such a, um, marriage is, you know, you are called to really like allow that person and support that person to follow their dreams and, and, and seeing them happy and fulfilled is so rewarding as a spouse. Um, but at times it can be super scary. I had the same thing when we had to move to Texas and I, my husband had wanted to move forever and it was just, he was, I knew it was time. I knew we were going and I knew for our marriage and just for him, um, this was going to happen. And, and once I got on board, because for years I was like, I don't want to move. I don't want to move. I don't want to move. But once I got on board and I was like, great big yes to that. We're going like, this is going to be awesome. Um, it was really yeah. fun to experience it together. And, yeah. um, you know, to see him so content is such a great reward. So yeah, it's that, um, it's that surrendering too to, to God's calling and, and knowing, um, that he's called you to be together and work together as a team, like you said, which I totally love. And when you watch the video of you guys, it's so beautiful the way that you honor each other and um, talk about how you've, you. you know, you've inspired each other. So it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's been one of the coolest things going through this and really God saying like pulling all this fear and anxiety, you know, like pulling it out. It's like, you know, Josh is being, he doesn't, I, he, he hasn't called me crazy in a couple of years, but <laughs> he's understanding, Yeah, <laughs> he's understanding that it's strength. Like when someone has to struggle, when someone struggles with mental, you know, challenges and emotional challenges, it's exhausting and to keep getting up every day. So everyone out there that is struggling with anxiety, depression, you know, just really strong emotions, you know, grief to get up every day out of bed, it's a true, it takes someone truly strong, even if it's to get up, go to the bathroom, brush your teeth. I mean, some days that's just a workout yeah. and, you know, and not to give up and to, and to really keep that hope that you're not alone. And there are people out there that people, organizations, you know, just things out there for you, to not feel alone and to get connected. And, and you mentioned doctors, you know, you've mentioned counselors, you've mentioned, mm-hmm. you know, so, I mean, there is help. It's that first step of asking for help. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. All right. Well, I am so sad that we have to um, kind of wrap this up, but I would love to just, can I pray for you before we hang up? And then um, I would love to know before we do that, I would love to know, is there any way like people could contact you or are you not, are you willing to talk to people about this or how do we kind of proceed from here? If somebody feels like they are alone in this. Yeah, I would say there's a, we have a family ninja Facebook page. Awesome. And I think that would be a good place. Um, cause my husband checks it, it at, we both check it. So he, it wouldn't be overwhelmed. Like he might be like, Hey, sure. you know, yeah, here, so check I'll go ahead email. And I'll go ahead for people listening. I'll go ahead and put that Facebook page on the website. So go to greatbigyes.com for all of the show notes and information and the video for the Ninja Warrior and all of that. So, um, but yeah, I just want to thank you, Rachel, just for being so open and being so um, real. It's just, you have a very mm -hmm. authentic voice and just so um, helpful, I know, to people that are listening. So I love that. Oh, thank you, Sue. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Father God, I just ask for um, abundant blessings for Rachel. Mm. Um, we thank you for her transparency. We thank you for her vulnerability. And um, Lord, we know that through all of this, even when she was a child, that you saw her. You love her. You've always been there. And you paved the road before her. So... Lord, I ask you today and every day just to hem her in on all sides, that you would be just all around her, that you would support her, um, continue to just love her and give her the peace that surpasses all understanding. Lord, I, I ask for a blessing over her husband and her children. Lord, that through this, they would know what it means to be authentic, to walk authentically in a relationship with you, that strength often comes in surrender that we don't have control over um, our lives or who we are, um, who we were meant to be or what happened to us, but we do have control over where we look um, in the future. And so keep our eyes, Lord, mm -hmm. focused on you. Keep our eyes um, open, Lord, and our ears open and our hearts open, Lord, uh, to people that might be hurting around us, to people that might be suffering in silence, to the people that feel like they are afraid um, to speak the people that are covered in shame, Lord. We ask you to lift that covering. We know that you can and that you will. And Lord, in your power and might, we ask you to just show these people a way out, to give them a doctor that is knowing or a counselor that has a good way about them, give them the right fit of um, just people to come around them, community. Um, we pray for spouses of people that are suffering from uh, depression and anxiety or any kind of uh, mental illness, Lord, we just ask for um, just unity among spouses, marriages, families. We ask for um, just generational um, sin to be broken, generational um, shame <laughs> to be lifted, yes, just to be lifted, and that families would begin to just speak in open in open ways and that they would share you with each other, Lord, because freedom ultimately mm -hmm. comes from you. And so we thank you for that. We thank you for broken chains, Lord. And we just ask for, um, again, protection and provision over Rachel as she just is so willing to share this story, Lord. May it just go um, so far to help people. May the right people hear it, Lord. We know that you, um, 
you are preparing hearts to hear this message. And so we just send it out in love and with grace and understanding for anyone who is suffering. We love you. We praise you. And it's in the precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank, thank you. Oh, thank you. So awesome.